Welcome to the Preaching Persuade podcast. My name is Sam Parada. I'm here again with Mason Skaggs. That's right. You got it perfect. Skaggs. And uh, we're finally to the point in our little series on cessationism and continuationism where we're actually talking about continuationism and cessationism and debating now. Mm. We've kind of like tried to set up the fence a little bit and said this is where we're this is where we're not we're right. not believing in this stuff we 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 set ourselves against these people or these beliefs and and so the first two episodes are really just kind of all about that and now we're finally to our little little camp here where we're have so much agreement and now we can kind of bash out these more minor issues yeah and yeah so how I think we're gonna do it is Mason is going to give his opening remarks. Kind of, We're going to kind of do it like a, I guess, debate style where we each give our opening statements and then we cross-examine. Yeah. And and then just have a discussion. Right. And kind of ask each other questions and then maybe nuance those those bigger main arguments. So I love that. Uh, your, we'll start with you. Okay. Your, your opening statements for why continuationism is biblical and true. Right. Yeah. Well, and so my name is Mason Skaggs, first of all, and I introduced myself a little bit in the first episode we did together. But uh, for anybody who's just listening to this one, I am 26. I We go to the same church, yep. Emmaus. You're, I, you're seven foot two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and, and ruddy and handsome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, but I am... So I'm the director of musical worship at Emmaus Church, and we came to Emmaus around the same time. Um, I have two kiddos, and I'm married, and I live here in Kansas City as well. And so that's how Sam and I know each other, because we really hit it off famously whenever you first came. We've got a similar... (laughs) Famously. (laughs) We've got a similar sense of humor. Yeah. and, uh, And the reason we're talking, like we said in the last episode, is like, I respect what you have to say a lot, and you're... You are uh, more studied and 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 wiser, smarter than I am about m- like t- lots of things that we've talked about. So when we started talking about the gifts, I I'm interested in in how you came to how you arrived at your position, and I am um, I am always open to the truth. I I think that the position that I've arrived at is the most evident uh, evidentially biblic- biblically sound argument, and I've not been convinced by. Uh, a cessationist argument, so I'd love for today to be different. Ooh. But I'm sure it won't be. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm not. I, so I'm, I mean, I'm just I'm saying. I'm open to being convinced, but I won't be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I really am open. I, I am open. I want, and I want, like, the stakes are high. We've talked about this, right? The stakes are high for this. The reason it's probably secondary and not like a first order issue is because it's, you know, it deals with the worship of God. It mm. deals with, like, at, at the worst. If continuationism is not true and you're a continuationist, you are attributing to God uh, things which he has not ordained. Sure. Or that he intends to cease. Yeah. And if you're a cessationist, you are quenching the spirit yeah. in some way. And that's yeah. serious too. Yeah. So it's like, we it's an important topic and it's so interesting to talk about. It is very interesting. And it's a topic that like... Everybody actually wants to talk about this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like this is a this is a fun discussion. It I mean, is. you know, there are some theological discussions where, like, okay, this is just, and I think this one's fun because it's so practical. Yeah, like this actually has immediate consequences for how you f- function in the church and as a Christian. Yes, 
Yes. Okay. So let me give my my yeah. two major. The two, I think, the greatest arguments for uh, for continuationism is the the first is that we actually have time stamps of when the get when the gifts will cease, um, and and so these time stamps there are there are four. I would say that there are four. Okay. Some are more obvious than other ones, but the first one that I want to mention is First Corinthians thirteen eight through twelve, and I'll just read the passage so so that we have context because context is king. Paul says, love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part then I shall be fully uh, known fully, even as I have been fully known. And uh, so the timestamp is tongues, prophecy, knowledge, which I would take him to mean words of knowledge that he mentions earlier in Corinthians. Those will pass away when the perfect comes. Mm -hmm. And even uh, Tom Schreiner, famous cessationist, one of my favorite cessationists, uh, he says in his book, uh, that you have right there, spiritual gifts, what they are and why they matter. He yeah. says the perfect is the coming of Jesus. Then coming to Christ. Yep. Right. So these gifts will cease at that time. Yep. Uh, another timestamp, Ephesians four eleven through fourteen. He says, and he gave the the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that's another one where I would say, like, there's a pretty clear timestamp. The prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers will continue to build up and equip the saints until we are, until we're up to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, mm -hmm. which I would say, like, clearly, just like he says in 1 Corinthians 13, the verse we just read, that's when we, when we see face to face. Yeah. When we're full, when we're no, fully known as, uh, when we when we're when we know as we've been fully known. Uh, the third timestamp of when the gifts will cease is in First Corinthians one, four through eight. He says, "I give thanks to my God always for you, because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus." And it's I think it's important to mention also, Paul, is talking to a group of Christians that are. They've got some wacky and bad stuff going on. Yeah. But he praises God that they're abounding, that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this is another timestamp, I would say, He's, he's like, I praise God that you abound in every spiritual gift as you wait for Christ to be revealed. And when that's paired with these other ones, I think it's clear that like these are meant to continue up until that point. Mm -hmm. And then um, Acts 2 and Joel 2. Um, so, it's, of course, Joel is before Acts, but yeah. they would say... Uh, Peter is given the sermon on Acts 2 in the, on the day of Pentecost. He says, But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel, and in the last days it shall be, God declares, 
that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood, before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So I just tried to include yeah. verses before and after so we can get like some context for where this is happening. And in both of these, in Joel 2, as well as in Acts 2, the clear timestamp is the day of the Lord. Right. The end times. And God is saying, I will pour out my spirit that men, women, old women, young women... Uh, slaves, free, will dream, prophesy, uh, see visions. Yeah. And so those are the timestamps, I would say. Now, that is the argument, that there are clear uh, it, clear scriptural timestamps for when the, when the gifts will end, and it's right. when Jesus returns. But I would say that coupled with there being no clear, no implication or uh, implication, uh, from the text that these gifts will cease, you know, that there is, there's no verse that says the gifts out that outright says the gifts will cease. Right. It it has to be like, other than the second coming. Right. The, the second coming. Yeah. Which is obviously not, not right. And so I would say that, you know, that there is the absence of a verse that says these will taper off after the apostles die or after the canon comes. Yep. Yep. There's no explicit verse that says that. And there are explicit uh, verses that say they'll continue up until the Christ's coming. I would say that's my first argument uh, for the continuation of the gifts. The second one is that um, that seems to be normative. For, for the church, when conversion happens in Acts, from Acts on, um, it seems to be that these so-called, you know, apostolic sign gifts, which the Bible, you know, I, I wouldn't call them that, but these more miraculous gifts accompany conversion and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, just like Joel in Acts says. So, like... I'm going to quote from, um, no, I'm not going to quote anybody. So (laughs) (laughs) the widespread smarter than them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, let me, I, I, I will speak. Okay. (laughs) The widespread, I'd say the positive mention of the gifts throughout the new Testament. Never are, are people warned against the the spiritual gifts. Only are we told to pursue them earnestly. Yeah. And I think Paul was really straightforward. I think that the apostles were very straightforward about what for, what Christians should avoid. Yeah. You know, false teachers, the love of money, the fear of man. Um, like we talked about in our previous episode, visions of angels, that kind of emptiness. But never is it mentioned that Christians should avoid the spiritual gifts or be weary of them even. It's earnestly yeah. desire them, especially that you may prophesy. Yeah. Three times he says earnestly pursue the spiritual gifts. Do not forbid the speaking uh, speaking in tongues. Do not despise prophecy. And so um, I think the widespread positive mention of the gifts throughout the New Testament 
is is good evidence. I mean, the Christians, Christian converts in Rome, in Corinth, Samaria, Caesarea, Antioch, Ephesus, Thessalonica, Galatia, they all experienced the miraculous revelatory gifts. And it's put forth as the normative, normative accompaniment of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So when God pours out a spirit, these gifts are, uh, are they manifest. Sure. And I have all the, all of the citations for those happening, but if somebody's interested, Romans, 1 Corinthians, yep, Acts, yep. Uh, most of these are in Acts, or Thessalonians, Galatians. So I would say we're only ever told to earnestly desire these gifts and not to forbid them, not to despise them. And that, so that, those two paired, you know, that we have timestamps for when they're supposed to end and that we're t- told to desire them. And the express purpose for the gift is the upbuilding of the, the body of Christ, the strengthening to, yeah. to console, to encourage, to equip uh, the saints for ministry. Like we're in the same body of Christ that Paul was in. We're mm-hmm. in the same body of Christ. No, and I, I, I do not deny that there is an apostolic age in which these gifts were used prophecy was used um the apostolic gifting was used to lay the foundation for the church yeah you know in a way that it will never be tampered with or redone that's true um but there's no indication that these gifts ceased with the death of of the apostles and we're i would say since we're in the same church body we're still in the same body of christ we still need uh, these gifts to equip the saints for ministry, to strengthen the body of Christ, and to do all the things that that uh, you know Paul says that the gifts are for. So anyway, that's my opening. Those would be my strongest arguments for yeah. the continuation. Very good. Yeah, very good arguments. Um, my arguments are more definitional in that. Like, I am not—cessationists aren't denying that these gifts were given at mm-hmm. some point. Like, the—you know, what's wrapped up in the term cessationism is that they were once given, and now they have ceased. Right. Uh, so, our view of the first century is, in for the most part, it's, like, exactly the same. Now, what I emphasize in my argument on cessationism is—, is yeah, definition. So I want to look at what is the biblical definition of tongues? Yeah. What is the biblical definition of prophecy? Yeah. And then considering those definitions, uh, then we can have a, a more um, educated discussion on uh, do we actually— then it gets a little bit more historical, though, because then we can ask, okay, all the people that are claiming Sam Storms, all these big continuationists, yourself, for instance— are what you're saying is tongues, tongues. Right. Are what you are saying is prophecy, prophecy, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. So sometimes it's a bit of a semantics game too. But important. But important. Yeah. So my, I'm going to kind of take the, the, the different gifts. I'm going to talk about tongues first. So I mentioned this in the first podcast that we did when we, lo- we went through Acts a little bit and we talked about Pentecost. Like, Acts 2 is the first instance of tongues. Yeah. And and it, it, it clearly defines, Luke clearly defines what tongues is. And I'll, I'll just read Acts 2, a part of Acts 2 for us. 
So starting in verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a noise like a violent rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And tongues that looked like fire appeared to them, distributing themselves, and a tongue rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with different tongues as the Spirit was giving them the ability to speak out. Now there were Jews residing in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the crowd came together and they were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. There, there it is right there. So mm-hmm. there's the definition. Each one was hearing them speak in his own language. So, and they were amazed and astonished, saying, Why are not all these who are speaking Galileans? Um, and how is it that we each hear them? in our own language to which we were born. Right. So clearly right. the tongues of Acts 2 at Pentecost was th- these these people, these disciples, these early disciples who had not learned these languages, right, were speaking other languages. Yeah. And the people that that was their native language, they were hearing them declare the glorious, you know, works of God in those in those languages. Yeah. So Tongues, definitionally speaking, in Acts two, is known languages. So you know, whatever, throw the throw the languages out. Obviously, we have different languages today, but you could, you could just say, oh, it's like Spanish and, sure. and French and Chinese and and Arabic and whatever. So when we go through hermeneutically speaking, when we go through the Book of Acts, every time that comes up now, it's this, it's the same thing. Sure. Yeah. So when the spirits poured out, and they speak in tongues. Cornelius, those Gentiles, you know, those those Ephesian disciples, it's it's known languages. Now, I want to emphasize this too, because this is my second argument in a sense. Like my my first argument is definitions. I will get to the prophecy, but the second one is purpose. Yeah. What what is the purpose of the more, the more miraculous gifts, healing, prophecy, tongues? What what? are their purpose and we even could put them under the banner of signs and wonders and yeah. miracles yeah and biblically speaking when we do a survey of the bible there really isn't many periods of time where the more miraculous things were taking place but when they were taking place was usually when revelation was being um given god was revealing himself through through obviously prophecies when scripture was being written so you have a, you have a heightened level of of miraculous events taking place with Moses. Obviously, he was being revealed the law during that time. Um, a nation was being built. You have a, a high level of miraculous things taking place with the ministry of Elijah and Elijah, who Elijah was considered to be kind of the top prophet. Mm-hmm. And then you have a heightened amount of miracles and signs and wonders taking place, obviously, with Jesus He's God in the flesh, <laughs> right? And and then obviously the foundation of the church when the apostles are continuing to get revelation. Yeah. So, what what healings did were obviously validate, you know, validate that well for Christ that he was the Son of God. Like yeah. people would ask him, "Are you the Son of God?" He's like, "Well, look at the works. L- look at the works. Yeah. The the, the deaf are are given. You know, they're hearing. The the blind are given sight. The dead are raised to life." Mm-hmm. Um. So look at the works. And the same with the apostles then. They they would look at the works. Like Paul was bitten by a, a viper and he survived. He was fine. Yeah. You could just touch the cloth 
of of their of their garments and they people were healed yeah and they were obviously you know building the church and as Ephesians 2:20 says the the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets mm-hmm. with Christ as its cornerstone so um the purpose again what's the purpose of healings and and those types of things and those signs and wonders to validate something to validate the gospel to validate the word to validate the the foundation of something to validate that there is something new happening and that God is in it now with tongues as i made my case in the first episode tongues was to validate that the gospel was going out to gentiles yeah so we have the reversal of Babel taking place in Acts 2. In in Genesis at the Tower of Babel, God creates languages. He creates people groups, nations. Um, there was one language, he confuses the language. What's Acts 2? It's a reversal of that. All the languages now, all the nations, there's people from all these different nations coming to Jerusalem to, to celebrate Pentecost tongues of fire come down on these disciples and then they speak in all these different languages so that people from all these different languages can hear the mighty works of God in their native tongue. Yeah. So it's it's Christ saying I'm I'm reclaiming the nations now. They're mine now. Mm-hmm. And the Agreed. way in, and the way in which I'm going to validate that throughout the book of Acts as the gospel is going out now to these different nations is by showing the Jewish disciples that hey, what you did at Pentecost, look this Gentile Cornelius, he's mm. doing the same thing. Right, he's speaking in in again, a, f- a foreign language that he didn't learn. And the Ephesian disciples, they're speaking in a foreign language that they didn't learn. But now this is this is really important though. Though, if if that if tongues and acts was what's sometimes called random random utterances, ecstatic speech, glossolalia. Y- yeah, yeah. Well, glossolalia is the Greek word that we translate as tongues. Right. But in Greek, it literally just means language. They, and they separate it. Some, some people will separate what you're talking about, known languages that the Spirit gives utterance, xenolalia, and then they'll say your um, your prayer language, some people call it, or other tongues, uh, glossolalia. Right. And that, and what I'm saying is that's not that's something that we have kind of done after the fact. Because, You'd say that's imported to the yeah, text. Yeah, it's okay. imported. Yep. Okay. So if you just look back at the Greek... Like Greek literature back then, glossolalia just was a word that was commonly used for tongues, for languages, okay, for yeah. known languages, yeah, foreign sure. languages, sure. So, and that's what we see in Acts. Now, the point is, let's think about let's think about um, a miraculous validation that the Spirit has followed upon someone. Okay, if so, think of the scenario. You're Peter and the gang. You're going to Cornelius, mm-hmm. and. Spirit falls on Cornelius, and he starts speaking in tongues. Let's assume that the tongues that he was speaking was what a lot of people consider is the tongues of, of Corinth. Random utterances, ecstatic speech, uh, angelic language. Mm-hmm. Not, not, not a language of any nation of the world. Sure. How would it be validated that it was actually a miraculous event? Because technically, as we know from all these charismatic hyper charismatic circles this can be faked sure and moreover many false religions and cults and pagan religions around the world practice a form of ecstatic speech that that is very similar to and if not 
sounds exactly the same as that which Christians are doing. Okay. So, if it if it that if that is what tongues is and what and what Cornelius is doing, then there would be no way to validate it. Okay. Now, if it was a if it was a foreign language, like let's say Chinese, <laughs> and everybody knows that Cornelius doesn't know Chinese, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden he's speaking Chinese, and there's a guy in the group that knows Chinese. Right. That would be a verifiable miracle. You know that I don't speak Mandarin. Yeah. And I, if I started speaking Mandarin, and we had a and we had a Chinese friend, and he could go, yeah, that's Mandarin. I know what he's saying. Sure. That's a verifiable miracle. Right. That's actually crazy. Yeah. That's mir- that's totally miraculous. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there's no way that can work, unless the spirit is doing that. Sure. Yeah. So, it's verifiable then. Right. It's a verifi- verifiable miracle, and it serves its purpose of 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 making sure and validating that yes, the gospel is and the spirit has come to this Gentile. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, but if it was just a random, you know, syllables, nobody knows what this is. It's some heavenly language. Well, he could be faking it, as thousands and millions of people around the world have done before. Right, and I'll, I'll respond to each of these yep, yep. afterward. Okay, so that's my saying okay definition of tongues when we think theologically we want consistency yeah you would have to say or this or the continuationist would have to say that the tongues of corinth Mm -hmm. is different than the tongues of acts right and that's a problem hermeneutically theologically that's a huge problem because the bible gives us no um reason paul gives us even no reason in 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 first corinthians to think that this is something different so if i think about the gift of tongues in my mind i'm thinking whenever the spirit manifested this gift it was for it was foreign languages that they had not whoever has the gift they didn't learn that the spirit just gave them that gift to speak spanish even though they don't speak spanish yeah yeah now that's tongues purpose validate Validate uh, the gospel. Validate that that uh, it's it's for the Gentiles. It's for the nations. Mm-hmm. Um, same with same with healings. Same with prophesy. Same with all those miraculous things. Validate, validate, validate. Mm-hmm. So once once we're through the the period of needing validation, then those things no longer serve their purpose. Yeah, and that's where I'm saying over time, you know, maybe it wasn't. Right away, when the when John died, that oh, all of a sudden they ceased. Right. Maybe it took a century or two, but for the most part, they served their purpose. Scripture's done. Um, we know the gospels for Gentiles now. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Then these things no longer serve the purpose that they once served, or have sure. biblically served, as we look in our Bible. Right. 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 Uh, and and again, another argument. Again, this is all wrapped up, but. We do have a category for the apostolic office. Mm-hmm. We do have a category for the the Old Testament prophet who was given was revealed the Word of God, and if he and if he was ever said to, if he was ever um, if he ever prophesied something that didn't come to pass, he was considered a false prophet and he was killed. So we have a category for that the prophet Nathan the prophet you know whoever in the Old Testament yeah. Um, let me okay so let me respond really briefly to that because okay. that's going to slip through the cracks okay i know i'll forget that you said that the 
the in Deuteronomy he talks about the false prophet. You'll know he's a false prophet if he leads you away from Yahweh. Yeah. He even if he what he he does signs and wonders. If he does signs and wonders and prophesies accurately, he's a false prophet if he leads you away from from Yahweh. So I would say that's a that's a secondary one. There's the if he ever prophesies something that doesn't happen, he's a false prophet. Right. And if he prophesies something that does happen, but then he leads you away from La- Yahweh, he's also a false prophet. And and so and this is Moses talking about the prophet, the prophet that will come after him, like the one that people that Jesus asked, who do people say I am? The prophet. You're, the, uh, God will raise up a prophet like myself, Moses says. Sure. So if the, this, so I would say he's he's talking about the the Messiah. Well, if, he's he's also t- speaking generally. I well, let's get into. I I don't want to interrupt you. Okay. You were, well, we can we can find that reference and we can look at it. But, let's do that. Yeah. yeah. But so so it's all about purpose. And and the purpose that again, biblically speaking, when you see these miraculous things taking place. Yeah. They were always connected to something new, a new nation, you know, the establishment of Israel. Sure. New revelation, new scripture, a new law, um, Christ, a new covenant with Christ, a new a, a new institution, institution, the church. Mm. Uh, again, the the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, and that's when you have connected to the apostolic office, connected to the Christ Christ ministry, are these miraculous things. So. Um, now, when you look at, you know, you have all these references of healings that mm. you mentioned. When you look at them, they're almost always either done by an apostle or a close associate of an apostle. Philip, Barnabas, Stephen, guys that were, had their hands laid on by the apostles, mm. um, or the apostles themselves. Now... Yeah, so all I'm saying is that those the signs and miracles and those miraculous gifts are usually attached to an apostolic office. And when the apostles died, so did the those gifts cease with them. Now, the rest of my arguments, for the most part, well, I guess I should get into a, defi- a definition of prophecy, which is very basic. I'm holding, as Thomas Schreiner does, consistency, that the same definition of prophecy that we consider to be derived from the Old Testament mm-hmm. is as it stays consistent. Yeah. That that's what we're talking about in the New Testament. And I would say there was New Testament prophets. Yeah. Agabus, others. Yeah, sure. That did actually do what the Old Testament prophets did. They predicted things that would happen in the future mm-hmm. and they came to pass. Yeah. And I would say that the 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 idea of like if they say something that doesn't come to pass, they're a false prophet and you shouldn't believe them. Um and we'll get to 1 Corinthians 14 because the the pushback of that is, well, then why are why is Paul saying that we need to weigh or judge these prophecies? Exactly. Yeah, or th- Thessalonians. Yeah, yeah. And I'm saying, well, exactly for the reason that it's always been. So that— To we, know if there's a false prophet. A, fra- a false prophet. Well, in that, in that same vein, he does—he sa- says there are two different times he says to test. You know, test everything, hold fast to what is true, yep. um, you know, and, and basically toss out what is evil. Yep. And then he says, do not believe every spirit. Right. Many false prophets, you know. Yeah. Th- so, so there's two other, there's two times, and those are two different things that he says. One time he says, test every spirit. Yeah. You know, not every spirit is from the Lord. Right. There are false prophets out there. 
And another time he says, uh, he, he, is, he seems to be saying two different things. One, test the person. Two, test the content of what is said. Right. Um, anyway, you were saying something yep. else. So too. then, so that's where I get, that's my definition of prophecy. I, I, I'm holding it consistently between the two testaments. Mm-hmm. And, and clearly then that type of gift, which I believed was given all, you know, all throughout the Old Testament and into the first century, once the scriptures were, were complete, necessarily has to cease. Otherwise, we're getting into the problems that we're saying that we deny. With the that, cults and... Yeah. Yeah. With the, you know, where the faith people and prosperity people are saying they're getting a, a word from the Lord. So... Well, let me ask you this, okay? Yeah. Because so, this, this will help narrow down what you just said. So, would you say that all apostles or all, uh, all prophets who prophesied prophesied in a way that was uh, authoritative, that was... Thus saith the Lord, they always prophesied perfectly. If they were a true prophet, of course. So it was in an authoritative way that's binding on the conscience well, of all Christians no. everywhere. It depends on what the prophecy is. Some prophets, uh, some prophecies are, um, thus saith the Lord, go do this. Sure. And that wouldn't apply to us. That wouldn't apply yeah. to, that is binding on the conscience, obviously. Yeah. Um, when, when... God is using Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Isaiah to rebuke and try to correct Israel and saying you must turn from your idol worship and burn your your you know your idols and destroy your high places and stuff like that is a command that's binding you right. got to go do that right now there's also prophes- prophecies that are like hey this is going to happen to you like Agabus and Paul right and like if you go here you're going to get you know, they're going to—Rome is going to get you, mm-hmm. and you're going to be imprisoned by them. It's He's not telling him or commanding him to do X, Y, or Z. He's just saying this is what's going to happen in the future. Sure. And it did come to pass. It happened as as he said. Yeah. Some people want to debate that, but clearly Paul, when you look at Acts, he believes that what Agabus prophesied about him happened exactly. Yeah. So that's not Agabus saying— Anything that Paul has to do or not do, he's saying that if you do this, this will happen. I think it was a misapplication of a of an of an inter, or a misinterpretation of of a prophecy. Like I think he, Agabus got it right. He you know he bound up his wrist. He's like whoever this belt belongs to yeah. is going to be bound like this. But then Paul says, "Why are you uh, weeping and breaking my heart?" Like they were clearly urging him not to go to Jerusalem or or to uh, to go where he was going. Right, and so. So yeah, they miss they, the 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 prof, the prophecy was true cr- true. They misappropriated exactly, which I would say is always the case. Uh, whenever there seems to be, like a prophet, a true believer, it gives a pro- a prophetic utterance and it doesn't come to pass, or it's a little or or it's or it's uh, just off base. I would say it wasn't the, the prophet. If prophet? it comes from God, it's always inerrant. But w- like you and I, we're looking at the same Bible, the same, and there's nothing more objectively true than the written word of God. We can look at the same Bible and we come away with two different interpretations because we're, we're fallible. Sure. The word of God is infallible. There's no fault in it. But um, so I would say if we can do that with the written word, how much more can we do that with a, with a subjective revelation of the Holy Spirit? So what you're saying prophecy. then is that, is that 
prophecy today from your position, mm-hmm. it can't be the thus saith the Lord, go do X, Y, or Z. I wouldn't say it like that. I would say, because I would even, ar- I, would, I don't know if I fall in this camp, but I've heard it argued that like Nathan, for take for example, when Nathan, David is getting older, he wants to build a house for the, for the Lord. Yeah. He, Nathan, he operates in the office of the prophet of the Lord. Yeah. He is the prophet of the Lord. What he says is God's will, basically. Yeah. So David, he's like, may it be done for you, yeah. as you've said. Do yeah. it, David. But then he, he goes home, and he gets a word from the Lord. He, go, he turns back, and he's like, David, no, you're not going to build the house of the Lord. Not yet. I would say that's, that's an example of, like, the, even Old Testament prophets had to weigh what was said. There's another example I would give when, um, I think it's Elijah, he's... Uh, he he's he, the Lord tells him to go buy a field, and he meets a relative along the way, who mentions something to him about it, and it says, "And then I knew it was the Lord." And I, I'd like to find the actual scripture, and then I knew it was the Lord. So, how would you say that works today? I would say this, the same. Uh, Oh no! Hold on. I'll let people. I'll let people uh, work that out themselves. I believe it's Elijah, uh, but yeah, I think there's instances in the Old Testament. A case could be made that it was it was subjective revelation by by the inerrant, you know, objective word of the Lord coming to people who interpreted that. And sometimes I would say that they 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 were off base in it. Um, not in the written word of God that we have. But for example, like if every word of, that a prophet got was authoritative and binding, or not, not binding on the, but if it was authoritative and inerrant, how could there be female, you know, females can't even preach the word of God, but they're laying the authoritative once for all delivered to the saints foundation of Christianity? I think that's that's that's. Per, I don't think that you right, even so, believe that. Well, right. So I'm saying, I'm hel- I'm trying to get you to unflesh, or flesh out. What do you What do you mean when you think like a prophet, somebody today, right, who has the spiritual gift of prophecy? prophecy. What are they doing? What are they doing? They're here. They're they're good at hearing the voice of God for other people. What does that even mean? So, for example, Paul says, prophetic utterance is to console. To, to upbuild, to encourage. So, I mean, he, he lays out with the definition what it's for right there. And so I would say uh, a prophetic utterance is when someone hears the voice of God for other Christians and can do so pretty consistently, hears the voice of God um, and, and makes its revelations of the Spirit. So it's, it could be future. It could be, like Paul says, uh, un- uncovering the secrets of people's hearts. Could you give me an example? In the biblical text, no. Yeah. So, okay. Here's here's uh, an example. If I was gonna like prophesy to you, and I'm I'm not. By the way, I don't think I'm a. I'm a you don't gifted, think you have the spiritual. I gift don't of... think I have the spiritual gift of prophecy. No. Okay. I earnestly desire it because I'm I'm right. You know, that's you're, a command. You're a consistent continuation. Right. <laughs> I earnestly pursue it, bro. <laughs> I do, I do, and uh, and you and I would probably agree that if your continuation is there is no camp for cautious, open but cautious. Would you say that? Because if you're a continuationist, you believe, therefore, today, how can you then say, well, we shouldn't earnestly desire them? Well, 
not necessarily. And we'll get into this. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, I think there's a camp for it. Okay. Well, maybe maybe we. I mean, yeah, there definitely is a camp. Because we're what we, we're gonna ha- we're laying out our, our our introductory remarks. I know this is probably going longer than we think, but then we'll have to walk through First Corinthians. That's right. Yeah. Twelve through f- well, mainly fourteen. But you asked for an example. Yeah. An example of prophecy. So it could be like. I, I was I was praying over you, and I have I got the strongest impression that uh, you know that this I, ha- I just had like an image of you studying in your are do you do you study in your like are you a student or something, and then this person might say like a believer might say yeah I am a st- I am a student it's like okay well so I was I was praying over you and just like asking the Lord to speak to me. And like, are you going through some kind of transition right now? I felt like the Lord was wanting to comfort you in the middle of a transition. And you're like, yes, that is true. That I am going through this huge transition, right? So then you're, you're, you know God is speaking to you through another Christian. You feel seen. You're encouraged. You're, upbuilt, you're, you're built up in your faith because the, the Spirit is ministering to you through another Christian. Now, I would say like the highest version of that would be like— But then—, but then- there's a future indication, right? They have to. So I'm saying, like, okay, somehow, some way, mm-hmm. this person who has this gift gets this impression, sure, sees this image, yeah. But what, what, what are they saying? Like, they're saying like they just they just told you something that they could have figured out off of looking at your Instagram page. Mm, yeah, well, I mean, the the impl- what I'm saying is. They are they are getting a revelation from the Holy Spirit. They're not sneaking or, but around. What's the purpose? The purpose is to build you up in faith and but, to but, encourage. But you. what what would be the encouraging word? What how would that build me up? I will tell you how I was built up and encouraged by prophecy. So the first time that I ever heard true prophecy, I was in a rehabilitation center called Adult and Teen Challenge, and a woman, an old woman, stood up in church. I was thinking about leaving. I was thinking about committing suicide, thinking about going to do drugs again. I just wanted to get out of the the, the rehab. This old woman stood up in the middle of church. It was at the end of the sermon. She stood up and said something to the effect of, you can run, but you can't hide. The Lord will pursue you. I'm coming for you. You're mine. Okay. I knew it was for me. Yeah. It, it, It uncovered it. Like Paul said, I said, surely God is in this place. Yeah. The, the secrets of my heart were revealed. I was trying to run, and he said, I'm coming for you. Yeah. That, but to you, like in the instance I was giving, if I then said like something, I've had people say things to me that they no way could have known. Last night, uh, I, I got an image of you flipping through books like you're searching for something. Yes, I am. Okay, right? So they, I was doing that the night before had been like just flipping through books. And these were people, they didn't know I was coming. It was in another state. Yeah. And then they went They went and said, like, I feel like you're having financial, real financial uh, anxiety right yeah. now. No yeah. way they could have known that. Yes, we were having the worst financial anxiety in our marriage. Yep. And then they went and said, God, they, they directed me to the law, which is what prophets always do. They directed me to the word of God, to the word of the Lord or the Lord of the word. Yep. They direct you back to God. So these this person said... I think God wants you to know, and like you tell me if you if this resonates with the Holy Spirit and you, like you weigh this. But I think that God is saying uh, He provides for the lilies of uh, the lilies of the field. He provides yep. for the sparrow. He's going to provide for you, and I just think He wants you to know that He sees you where you are. I I could not be more encouraged. 
Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I, I was fleshing all that out of you for a reason. Okay. And the reason is because as, and I would agree with Thomas Schreiner, he says what uh, what us cessationists call that is just impressions. Yes, I agree with that. We don't yeah. call it, we don't think it's prophecy. Yeah. So uh, we, be, like I would say, I think that happens. Okay. I think that happens. That's that's. I don't necessarily me. maybe think that somebody has it, the gift of it. Okay. I think it's more of the those things that, um, like I've had plenty of believers that I know that don't say they have a gift of prophecy or anything like that. Mm-hmm. They may even be cessationists. Yeah. That they're they just wake up in the middle of the night, and somebody is on their mind. Right. And. And they know, like, the Spirit wants me to pray for them, yeah. and I need to pray for them right now. It's 2 in the morning. And I then, would call that, like, a word of knowledge. Sure. And and that's the thing. We can we can quibble about the what we call it. Yeah. But I w- we're both agreeing that that stuff happens. It does, yeah. So totally. I'm saying, biblically speaking, you you have to radically over, like do an overhaul on what 99.999% of the Bible means by prophecy and say and then just— Take that de- that word and slap it on that. Well, I mean, you're saying that, but if you look at all the prophecy throughout, it's all rev- the revelation of God's word to His people to direct God God's people back to God. Yeah, right? but it's, this is it, the law. But it's it's authoritative. It's well, I mean, it was it was everything that Agabus said authoritative because we don't have any most any of it written down or the, or the the daughters of Philip. Well, because it was, they were prophesying. Sure, sure. Maybe let me re- let me draw that back a little bit. Uh, there was the possibility for it to be a command, if that makes sense. Sure. But there was also the reality of it was usually speaking towards future events. I agree with that. Yeah. And and that's where it gets tricky. Yeah. So you have so many instances where, like, there was a. What am I trying to say? There was a – what's the word I'm looking for? An incentive <laughs> in the negative way. Is there a word that's – to not be a false prophet. You because die. You die. Right. Yeah. So New Testament, mm-hmm. church age, where we're not putting to death people, mm-hmm. uh, there it incentivizes people to be false prophets. If that makes sense. So there are so many instances yeah. that we can all think of that's happened to us even. That's happened to you. It's happened to me. I'm sure it's happened to you. Oh, yeah, baby. Where people say things to you and you go, oh, they they prophesy over you. Oh, yeah. And you go, God told me. Yeah. And that happens all the time. I think that's the same reason why Paul had to tell the Thessalonians not to despise prophecy. Like, yeah. And so – at the end of the day, it's still like, okay, I take it or leave it. And so that's where I go. Yeah. Those more encouraging things that are, that are, they don't really have any like moral imperative to it. Right. It's more of like, Hey, we felt like the spirit was impressing us to, to think about you and to pray about you to maybe reach out to you and ask you if you're going through anything. Yeah. Might even gave you more of a, than more of a, uh, it's financial trouble, and we just want to remind you of a of a 
revealed verse in scripture. Great. I'm all yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah, sure. Because it's drawing you back to the scriptures. It's Absolutely. Re- it's reminding you of a promise of scripture. Yeah. Um, and there's even, you know, there's even a famous story of Charles Spurgeon, who was a cessationist, mm-hmm. who he's up preaching and he got an impression from the spirit while he's preaching that this woman in the front row was committing adultery. Oh, yeah. And the dude, uh, there was a dude who was stealing sh- from his employer. Yeah. Who was called out. I think that so Charles like, Spurgeon was I'm operating like, in the gift of a pro- of prophecy. Well, see, I would say, and again, that's the semantic. Or word thing. of knowledge. or He didn't think he was. No, he didn't. But he also went, and he was. there's recorded doc- documentation of him having hundreds of miraculous healings attributed to him, <laughs> to his prayer life. And <laughs> sure, the dude's sure. a cessationist. So. so that's where we get into semantics in that a lot of the, well, maybe even the misconceptions or misunderstandings of cessationism. Yeah, is, that they don't believe they in that. They don't believe in that. Yeah. Yeah, and I even think, and there probably are, again, everything is a spectrum. There are some cessationists that would go that far. Yeah, I, say, I've never met one. There's no, there's, you know, there's no impressions. There's none of that. Right. Or they'll even say, because, you know, you hear this in the Islamic world a lot, that they'll get a dream. Mm-hmm. And in the dream, they'll they'll see somebody who they know is Christ. Yeah. And they might even get a word in the dream, hey, go to this place and search for this person. And then they do, and they that person is a Christian, and they tell them the gospel, and they're saved. Mm. And I met people like, when I was in Ethiopia, I met people like that. That I met, came to Christ through a dream? Or through a, a dream. Yeah. I'm, they were face-to-face with me. They told me the story. Wow. They were real. I mean, and you hear so many stories about that. Yeah. And there are some cessationists that say that doesn't happen. Right. Like a bullcrap. Right. That happens. Yeah. Now, I'm not... The thing that I distinguish, though, is like... Um, they're not getting like... Yeah. Usually, from the stories I've heard, is they're getting directed to someplace that they hear the gospel. They're not hearing the gospel in the dream. Sure. Uh, but nonetheless, you know, Paul was taught <laughs> the gospel in, in, in a vision and was taught about the Lord's Supper from the Lord himself. And so, you know, things like that may happen. Mm-hmm. Now, so what I'm saying then is if we're, if, if your idea of what prophecy is, mm-hmm. is what my idea is what utterances or, or uh, um, impressions is. Sure. And we're both agreeing that this happens. Yeah. Then this isn't, this isn't the, the argument then between us if that makes sense right 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 we're just we're just defining things the argument would be is what we're talking about as prophecy is it the same thing as in the old testament what or is it not well is that is that no not necessarily because you're saying that what happened in the old testament is done you have to i i for sure say that what the that what was delivered to old testament prophets the authoritative Word of God yeah. is totally done. Yeah. Canon closed, but I would say the gift of prophecy that operated, I'm actually of the mind that it that there is that that, that is the same gift operating in a, no, a non-authoritative, non well, you know, in a ma- major league stripped down version. I would say so. I mean, well, I mean it depends. It depends. I've I have I've not been witness to or I, i've not been the subject of this type of prophecy but i have heard and and seen you know videos uh, evidence not and i'm not a wacky dude who's like watching yeah. <laughs> what morning star or whatever day star or whatever those tele, you know tv shows i like like for example 
take Sam Storms, John Wimber. Yeah. Uh, John Wimber. Or, uh, oh man, why am I drawing, drawing a blank on? Uh, Mike Bickle. These guys, the K- Kansas City Prophets, or whatever, it was what the newspapers called them. These guys saw, like I would say, biblical proportion prophecy of like wild, cannot make it up stuff. Um, like, I think there's documentation of a prophet who will go unnamed because I actually don't agree with with him. I don't think every every person who gets rev- who gets like crazy gifts from the Lord is is a is an admirable person. I don't think so. Uh, like you could look at King David or King Solomon and say like I wouldn't want my kids to be like King Solomon. Anywho, I think that there's that there is documentation of, of people who've got uh, revelation that there was going to be a comet in an, in a year's time that would be within range of uh, of, of, of astronomers. This is a real guy. It's Bob Jones. You could look it up. It's or or that uh, a certain during a certain time when a certain team like the Kansas City Royals were in the World Series, this thing would happen. This guy would show up at the church, and they would do this, and those things took place. And so I would say like there is, yeah, they vary in in how great prophecy like the size of prophecy and the depth of it can vary. But I think it is the purpose of it. Is to is to build up, to encourage, to console for the common good, like Paul says. Yeah. And so for that, well, I what, think I'm, I guess get, what I'm getting at is like that might that might have happened, but in the Old Testament, when the prophet would say something like that, like mm-hmm. like predict something that you shouldn't know this, right? You're you're saying something about the future, and it happened exactly as you said. What are the odds? No way. But it was in order to validate that they're a true prophet so that when they said, thus saith the Lord, go do this, then you knew that you had to obey. Sure. So what I'm saying is, so what? So what if they predicted a comet? So what if they predicted some crazy thing with the Kansas City Royals? Right. They don't have any authority to say, now thus saith the Lord. Right. So it's just, it's it's as though for nothing then. Well, I mean, I would would say totally no. No, man. Because like, if... But you, what if they're the they going to say after that that you would be like, okay, listen up? That's the thing. Is listen, God, like if somebody says, or is it just for show now? No, it's not just like, <laughs> hey, check this out. I can do a yeah, cool parlor like a trick. Vegas show. No, it's it's like, would you not be edified and built up and see God's hand if I was to tell you, hey, in three days' time, a wo- uh, a, a woman you've never met is going to stop you and ask you for the gospel, and she does it. Well, would you then say, so what am I supposed to do? You're not giving me a, an, an imperative. No, you'd, if that happened, you'd be like, praise God, which that's what all the gifts are for. They're for, to lead us back to, to see the glory and the power of God. That's, that's what they're for. They're for the upbuilding, for the common good, to edify, to encourage. Sure. So there doesn't have to be a moral imperative or like a, an instruction attached to every, you know, every prophecy. And I, I don't think that there was in the Old Testament either. Not necessarily. Like, like Isaiah is clearly just going through. He's just getting revelation at some points. The the suffering servant and things. Well, and yeah, yeah, he'll call people to... But keep in mind, that's that's inspired. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I'm not arguing. And, and yes, and yes, there's probably 99% or 99.9999% of all prophecies, true ones, 
Yeah. Or not written down for right, us. Right, 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 right. Like we know that. So th- that's another thing that would say, like, if there was 99.99% of them weren't written down, true prophecies that yeah. weren't written down, then how, why are we... You know why? Why would we expect that if the prof- the gift of prophecy was still operative, that it would look like, you know, Isaiah level? Well, prophetic well what utterance. I'm saying is that the point is is that a closed canon changes everything, and we have to realize that it has to change something. It has sure. to change. Yeah. The way in which we think about some type of re- even if it's not authoritative, even if we put the badge fallible proceed with caution mm-hmm. well that that lose it lo- it takes it strips it of all of its for me it strips it for me i'm coming from my perspective sure sure yeah. somebody prophesies over me i'm instantly skeptical oh yeah and i'm going what are you possibly going to say to me mm-hmm. that i can't get from the all sufficient word so it's kind of like oh, john macarthur's like famous saying if if it's something i've never heard it's it's I forget how he says it, but he's like, if it's if it's true prophecy, you could have just said the word, you know, the word. Yeah, of, look, let's look it. at you know Romans, whatever chapter, whatever, and encourage me from the word. Right. And if and if again, that's where I'm going back to impressions of like, yeah, I think the the spirit can lead you to remind somebody of the word, remind them of a, a Bible verse, um, encourage them with a the truth of Scripture that's revealed in here. Would you say reveal the future to a believer? Like an impression could could reveal the future to someone accurately. Well, see, that's where I get. That's where I go back to. Now, I'm not going to flat out say that no, that can't happen. Right. I don't think somebody has that gift. If okay. I'm, again, that's where we get into the categories of we're talking about spiritual gifts. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And you either yeah. Okay. Yeah, you have it for life or you don't. Right. Well, and well, you know. Now, the point is, is though, it's like okay, reveal the future. Okay. Let's just hypothetically say I'm – let's just say I'm open to that. Okay. I'm still going to ask the question, but why? But why Why is the future being revealed to this person? Maybe to help you prepare for something like Agabus predicted the the famine and every and the Jerusalem church like took, a, took an offering to prepare for it or just to show the power of God, the glory of God to you in a way that, that, that is transformative for you. Maybe. I'm open to it. I'm open to it. Well, good. Okay. But I'm not – I'm not – what I'm not open to is that somebody has that gift. Like, a, like I have the gift of teaching. Yeah. I don't think, or somebody has the gift of administration or the gift of faith. Yeah. I'm saying, you know, Bob over here, he doesn't have the gift of seeing the future. Right. I think that maybe because God is sovereign, hey, maybe he decides to show Bob the future for some reason I can't think of, but it's not a spiritual gift. Now, what if dude Bob <laughs> is gets... Revelation consistently, he's like super accurate, and it happens to him regularly. Like he's just getting these impressions, you would call them, really regularly, frequently. I'm, I'm freaked out. Would you say that that's possible for somebody to like have that happen regularly? Of course, it's not on demand. Like t- the teaching yeah, the gift— thing, the thing is, is I'm not—well, see, that's the thing about—that's the, that's the inconsistency I'm maybe trying to flesh out. Okay. Is we have to almost put it in a different camp. It's like all these other spiritual gifts operate. You're under, you're in control. You know you you practice this. You 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 have a like even tongues. You're in control of it. Um, yeah. You're. If I have the gift of teaching, it's not like I just like 
my blank, my I like my eyes roll back into my head and I start <laughs> just teaching and I can't control it. Right, <laughs> and that's just to be fair. That is not what what I think would happen with prophecy either or tongues. Like it's not something that the the Holy Spirit you know animates your flesh suit and you just you it happens to you. I would say in the same way, like you could teach, you can have all the skills and try to teach, but if the Holy Spirit doesn't empower that, it's but, not teaching. But biblically, prophesy prophecy is always God just gives you a vision. God gives you God gives Samuel you, had the had the company of prophets or like the the class of prophets. It talks about that there was a there was a few from from like the company of Samuel. Oh sure, but they were it's not like they were conjuring up prophets the spirit would come upon them and they would right, prophesy. Right. You don't conjure it up, but just like you don't conjure up your teaching gift, you can't just like or if the gift of evangelism, you don't just work that up into a lather and go and get somebody saved. You you hone your craft, you do what you can, you study. But but what I'm saying is when I want to go exercise the gift. Right. I go exercise the gift. Yeah. It's not like I'm just out evan- like okay, God, I'm out here like do something sovereignly yeah. yeah whereas prophesy you do you're you're going about your day and all of a sudden you get an impression you get a vision you get a, a word you get something right it's not like you're sitting there okay god i'm i'm ready for it i'm gonna sit here and drink my coffee and well i i so sam storms and i know like lots of the most of the third wave guys like john piper uh most of those guys, d.a carson uh wayne grudem would yep. say that just like you can teach, just like you may have a gift of teaching, and of course you're going to do a homiletics course that teach you that how to talk in college. Yeah, they're not going to teach. They're not going to give you the gift of teaching if you don't have it. If right. the Holy Spirit doesn't give it, um, so like I disagree with people who are like, I'm going to give you. Let me, I'm going to teach a class on the gift of tongues. Now just repeat after me: a shudabada honda, shudabada kia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. <laughs> Robolo Sholobolo. Yeah. That's that's goofy. So I would say but I I would say you can teach people the biblical the biblical truths about prophecy and then the way that you would like the way that you would exercise that is you would ask the Lord to to give you revelation. You would go to people, you would practice, you would try and fail. Yeah. And then that's where we would say like in in Deuteronomy, what we're talking about when when Moses says the Lord will raise up a prophet. Let me just read it. He says, oh, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen, just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly. Let me skip a little, a little bit. And the Lord said to me, Moses says, They are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth. And he shall speak to them all that I have command, uh, all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that some prophets or that same prophet shall die. I'm going to read that part again. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. Now there is another, uh, and if we say, and if you say in your heart, how may we know that the word of the Lord has, has, not, uh, has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, 
If the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word that the Lord has not spoken. The prophet that has spoken it, presu- uh, the prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You need not be afraid of him. So he says, if it doesn't come true, if it doesn't come to pass, I didn't speak it. Yeah. You need not be afraid of him. Now people will take that and say, if it doesn't come to pass, we need to stone him to death. No, he says, I mean, what I what I think he's saying, what he is saying right here. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I didn't command him to speak or who speaks in the name of other gods, that prophet shall die. If he says, Yahweh says, blah, blah, blah. Or if he says, Baal says, da, 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 kill him. But if he speaks a word, says this is going to come to pass and it doesn't come to pass, I didn't send him. Don't be afraid of him, is what he says. Sure. What I'm getting at is... How does that co- how does that correlate or how does that correspond to the practice of what you're saying is is the gift of prophecy today? So I would say you have to be able to try and fail at prophecy. Like you have to be able to practice it. And I, I would say you should practice it in a small group of people who are studied at the gifts, who are responsibly like actively pursuing the gift of prophecy, like Paul commands in Corinthians. So you need to be able to like say, does this sound right to you, brother? Um, I feel like you have such and such going on in your life. And they're like, there's no way you could have known that. Yes, I think that's a revelation. You're like, okay, then I'm, I'm hearing the Lord right. And then you, pra- you practice hearing the Holy Spirit for other people. And oh. I would say that's the gift of prophecy or, or word of knowledge or whatever. It's so bizarre to me. Okay. <laughs> now, let me say, I think the question I asked you like, did prophets always minister in total authority, in inerrant authority? When you would say, what would you say? In the Old Testament, if you were in the office of, of prophet and you had been, you already passed the test, so to speak, yeah, you were a prophet of the Lord, and what you said is authoritative. But lots, of, most of it's not written down. I mean, we already said that. Well, right, too. most of it's not written down because we have, we have such a small book. Think of Elijah and Elisha. Right. Like— we don't even have books of their prophecies. Yeah. So the point is, is that there was tons of prophets. Or think of Nathan. Like we have yeah. some recorded. Or his... Hilda, just uh, a random woman prophet in her house. Yeah. So yeah, I'm not. There was tons of prophets, and even like John says at the end of the, his gospel, like if all that Jesus did or said was written down, there wouldn't be enough books to contain it all. Exactly. Yeah. So what I'm all I'm saying with that is not all spirit-inspired words, not all revelation that was given in human history yeah, was canonized yeah, or I was agree. written down. Totally, yeah. And the point is, is that God gave us in our written word all that we needed. Absolutely. It's all sufficient. All sufficient. So and, and that wasn't to necessarily prove any point. Right. It was, I was just making a statement. Well, let me, I want to take it to prove a point. Okay. I would say because that's true, what you just said, uh, there must be a category of prophecy that is not authoritative for all time. You know, the very word of God. There has to be a category for that because it's not written down in the authoritative once for all word of God, the canon. It's not written down for us. So because there were people like Hilda or the prophets or the prophetesses, the daughters of Philip that were prophesying, there has to be a category of prophecy at least in the New Testament era, in the apostolic era, that's not apostolic. 
because they were the daughters of Philip. They weren't or the Agabus. apostles. Yeah. yeah. So because that's true, there I don't think there is any. There's I would I would question whether there is any verse in the Bible that ties the miraculous. Like something you said was, you said that uh, that let me see, the word word for word. I'm trying to get it. You said there are. The, that the sign gifts were to authenticate or validate the apostles. Yeah. I would say, where is that in the Bible? Aside from the signs of, the, of, an, of a true apostle were done among you, which with si- signs and wonders and healings. That's, that's it right there. And also, um, it's, it's more of a descriptive reality. There's that verse, and that verse is serious. Right. The signs of an apostle were done among you. Like, okay, clearly... These yeah. are attached to them and yeah. not other people. Yeah. So, but he says the signs of an apostle with signs and wonders, like side by side with signs and wonders and then the miraculous. Sure. We could get in. I don't, we would have to look into the commentaries and look at the significance of the preposition. Just with, take with. my word for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, the point is, though, is like uh, whenever you have somebody with that type of authority or a unique office, there has to be something that validates it. Yeah. So um, now back to what you said about using, you know, all these uh, prophecies that weren't written down in our Bibles as an argument, yet they were all given in a time when God was revealing authoritatively his word and in a time when the canon of Scripture was still open. Yeah. Yeah, and there and it was given in a time when God did speak to people, that that were able to say, "Do this, don't do this." Yeah, w- so, with the apostles. That and, and the, so we don't have any biblical. That's the whole point. You can't make a biblical argument mm-hmm. for what you're saying. That 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 were to desire the no, the, you the can't you gifts. can't make a biblical argument for non-authoritative prophecy mm-hmm. outside of. The biblical time period, yeah, because because you don't have you know you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah, you don't have once John's done with the revelation, it's over. It's over. And if they were to document anything hey, they were other, all, then that would be the canon. Still, it would still well, be right. That's part what of I'm the, saying. Yeah. So you, that's it, it's just an argument that doesn't work. Well, I mean, it only works if like the all sufficient word of god the inerrant all sufficient word of god tells us to pursue the spiritual gifts especially that we may prophesy outside of the canon but it's saying that in a context where the gift of prophecy is still given so he's we, saying that to the corinthians he's right? saying it to the corinthians why would he not and, say and and i'm going to even we're going to get there too in the next episode okay paul in and this is a this is a big part of my argument. I'm not going to pull it out until we walk through the text because it's an argument you have to see yeah. as we read. Yeah. But he is he is pulling out all sorts of rhetorical devices. Sure. Because he's correcting a really big issue with them. They have elevated tongues mm-hmm. at a position that it should not be at. Right. And they're creating divisions over it. Right. So now he's, as Paul tends to do when he's correcting people. He'll pull out all sorts of figurative languages, rhetorical devices, hyperbole, mm-hmm. sarcasm. So I, I read a lot of sarcasm mm-hmm. in chapter 14. Yeah. 
Um, and I think if you read it very carefully, you start to you you clearly see those sarcas those instances of sarcasm. But if you read it very just quickly and forget the context mm -hmm. that he's correcting some very bad behavior, right? Then you start to draw conclusions that aren't meant to be drawn. Yeah. And Paul's known for sarcasm. Sure. Yeah. So you can even think of like him and Axe when, you know, he calls the high priest, you whitewashed or whatever, wall um, or whatever. Contrary to the law, you order me to be struck. Yeah. <laughs> and you, God's going to strike you, yeah, you, you whitewashed. Yeah. yeah. And, or, yeah and then they go, you speak to the high priest. And he's like, I didn't know. I didn't know. He, and, he acts like that. And a lot of people go. Oh, he really must not have known. No. Oh, no, he knew. He knew the dude was sitting up there. I he's mean, he's Paul. He's the Pharisee of Pharisees. Yeah. Like he he was the like he was that. That's his world. Of course he knows who the high priest is. Yeah. Yeah. So he's known for having sarcastic tones. Even think about what we read in 2 Corinthians with I knew a man like Yeah. Okay. Are are we to take him literally there that he's not talking about himself? No, he's talking about himself. Yeah. So when we read through chapter 14, especially, we're in aspects of 13, like we have to keep in mind. Um, okay. What's the definition of tongues? Again, as, I, as I'm saying, based on Acts, because that's the only time we actually give are given a concrete definition. Sure. That's, yeah. that's not debatable. Um, you, would, you have to believe that in Acts, tongues is foreign languages it is yeah yep it for so, sure is yep so so when we read it with that in in mind that yeah let's read you know let's hypothetically read first corinthians 12 through 14 every time we come across tongues it's foreign languages right well so i would say in acts it's foreign languages for sure and then the teaching in first corinthians would expand tongues to also include Something that is that Paul says the one who speaks in a tongue speaks to God and not to man for no one knows what he says. So yeah. I would say like that's an expansion of the teaching. And you would say, well, he's being sarcastic. I'm like, that's a pretty tenuous argument, is what. Oh, I would it's say. not. Well, we'll probably have to get into <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, we we'll have to get into it. But I mean, for me, I'm like to say, well, he's being sarcastic. I'm like that seems like something you could say about what he says about women. What he says about marriage. Well, he's being sarcastic. It's like that's kind of a sketchy thing to say about about Paul unless we know for sure he's saying these super apostles you know that's like a time where you for sure know he's being facetious sure but, and but you'll convince me I'm sure I'll try you're persuasive thank you yeah I'm trying as hard as I can <laughs> <laughs> you got a punchable face but you're yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> man if it wasn't for your face yeah. uh, and, and, and about tongues too about those tongues right you said I remember you said uh, it, how would how would it have been like a sign that Cornelius had received the Holy Spirit if nobody knew what he was saying? Yeah. Why would Cornelius act like he was speaking in a like if they if he was speaking in a language? I would say if he if he starts uh, bursts into a language that nobody knows, they're gonna say, "Whoa, something's going on here." No matter if they understand it or not, they they saw what happened in Acts, or Paul, or what, Peter saw what happened in Acts. He's gonna say. Something is going on. The spirit is afoot here. But no the, matter what, the I point is though is that you you have already conceded that every instance of of tongues and acts is foreign languages. Well, I'm not conceding that. Well, then you're not reading your Bible uh, 
with sound hermeneutical principles in hand. Well, how dare you say that? Well, I'm, no, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just messing with you. <laughs> yeah. I'm just messing. So no, I mean that's a, that is a. I would say you have to. You have to. That has to be true for you in order to then take tongues and plug it into 1 Corinthians and say no, he's no, no. being sarcastic. No, it doesn't. Well, if we look at when we when when you do Bible interpretation. Right. Think of you could I mean they say concentric circles context context context. Yeah. So you start with if you have a question about something. Yeah. You always start as immediate as you possibly can. Do they use this word What does this word mean in the immediate context? Right. Um, and then we broaden. What about the chapter? What about the, the book. surrounding? Yeah. Yeah. And so because tongues yeah. was defined clearly in the book of Acts, again, this is Luke writing it. Mm -hmm. um, he, he is working with a consistent definition. Yeah. If he, if he had something else in mind, then he would have changed the definition. Yeah. So think about Bible interpreters. God, God, you know, was using Luke to give us scripture. Right. And he's not going to just, ah, tricked him. Like, yeah. Don't I, need to tell him that, that yeah. I just switched the definition yeah, without telling him. we're just switching the definition. Now, yeah. it's, now it's something totally different. No, and I'm with you there. I'm just saying I'm not totally but, there. But what's more, think about it for you though. Right. Like, and maybe this is just me, but what's more miraculous to me is that you also start speaking actual Mandarin Chinese. Yeah. Which is super hard to learn. It takes years. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. Oh, yeah. Or you just start speaking a language that nobody knows. Yeah. What's, that, more, what's more obviously verifiable as a miracle? Well, the first, of course. Exactly. But I would say both happen, you know. I would say well, that you both. Well, ha you have to say that, though. Yeah. Well, no, I don't. I mean, this this is really this argument is not core at all to what to my to my primary argument, which is that we're, the only things we're ever told in in the scriptures is to desire the gifts, earnestly pursue them, not to despise tongues, not to despise yeah, yeah. prophecy, I, and not to or but but furthermore, not only are we told all that, we are never given an explicit like you're you're saying Luke would have given the definition a new definition. In acts, if it was something other so, than so, yeah. What tongues. I'm get, what I'm getting at is that part of my part of my argument does have to be historical. Yeah, because I'm saying that if if I hold firm my definition of what tongues is mm -hmm. based upon Acts two, okay, what prophecy is based upon most of Scripture. Well, I'm saying all of Scripture, mm. um, and and gifts of healing, and if I'm holding on to what those were. Mm -hmm. And how they were used, and in the context that they were used, then I'm saying that we see no instances today or throughout church history where those were actually exercised as spiritual gifts. So I'm saying, if okay, just come from my position yeah. for a moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be in my shoes. Okay. If 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 you were as convinced as I am that tongues as a spiritual gift is Given, being given the, the ability by the Spirit mm -hmm. to speak a foreign language, a foreign you've, never language you've never heard. Yeah. Have you ever seen that done in a church? Well, I wouldn't know. I don't know in another language. I've seen interpretation. You know, and I know guys who have been approached by 
an Ecuadorian or or like a a uh, Puerto Rican and saying, "I heard you in my dialect." I know, guys, that's that, that's happened too. So I would say, but no, I I don't think I I don't think I do what you're saying. Right. I mean, I wouldn't know, but I don't think that I'm speaking in a known foreign language when I speak in so tongues. So all I'm saying is that if that's true, then right, then all of the guys that are the poster child guys for continuationism, D.A. Carson, Sam Storms, John Piper, mm-hmm. they all they are all working. Well, not not D.A. Carson, D.R. Carson. This it's ironic, but his book on showing the spirit, mm-hmm. which is an ex- exegesis of First Corinthians twelve through fourteen, mm-hmm. even though he's he's a continuationist, that was the book that pushed me over into cessationism. <laughs> really, because he said there is no exegetical and grammatical way mm-hmm. to interpret tongues tongues as yeah. not foreign languages. Well, and I I would give you a, a quick quippy way to do that if I could. I'm not there. There is a, a leap in my mind from Acts to First Corinthians when Paul is talking about. No, you know, no one knows what he's saying. He's speaking to God and not to man. There is a leap there, um, and like the, it speaks in the, in the tongues of angels, of men and angels. Like those are the really the two core verses. No, I that know we have, and I'm I'm saying like that. That's I'm not I'm not totally persuaded or sure of what what tongues. I'm sure that if tongues, which I believe it does, exists today, yeah, it includes xenolalia, known foreign languages. And then I, I believe also uh, private prayer language sure. speaks to God, or Paul says the man who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. You know, and you would say, well, like that, he's jesting. He's right? totally sarcastic. I don't think so because he's already just the chapter before already defined spiritual gifts as building up the church, as building up the, for the common good, for right. the edification of the body. So when I'm part of the body. But when, <laughs> but when he for one another for the common good. The common good, yeah. So, and it's in the context of the church he's talking about. Right. So when he also says, the one who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, Yeah. it's actually like the the a huge jab. Right. Like, you selfish son of a gun. Yeah. You, it's all about you now. Yeah. It's This isn't what spiritual gifts are about. And that's, think of the context. They were abusing these gifts, and they were making them about themselves. Mm-hmm. And so he's saying... You've totally lost the whole point of why God gives the gifts. He gives the gifts so that you may encourage your brother. Right. And now you're edifying yourself, meaning there is no such thing. Yeah. You've totally missed it. I can, uh, you know, I actually, I do think that that's an interesting argument. I'm not pers- like totally persuaded by it, but I'll, I'm, I'm, I, I told you I would chew on it the first time you told me that. And I'll continue <laughs> to chew on it. Well, we just got... Uh, we we paused because somebody knocked on my door. It was a new neighbor. Has a dog that has separation anxiety and barks, and so he wanted to warn me that if I'm ever around and the dog is barking, to give him a call. <laughs> so we I, we don't know what we said last. No, nope. that's the point. No, nope. uh, that's why I said that. But we've gone long enough to where we are like, okay, let's wrap up this episode and then G- give give a recap of your position. A recap, so that so that I can go back and know. I mean. The gist of it is that miraculous gifts are connected to, for the most part, the apostolic ministry or any ministry that has to do with the beginning of something, like, say, the nation of Israel, mm-hmm. um, the church, and the, rev- and, give- and the giving of authoritative revelation, the Word of God. So when, when 
if they serve that purpose, then once that is done, and I'm building it off of Ephesians 2.20, the foundation of the church is built on the apostles and prophets, and right. Christ is its cornerstone. Right. So when you, when you build the foundation, you bury it, and then you now you start working upon that foundation. Sure. And so I'm connecting the gifts to that because I think that there's biblical precedence for that. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the part of the argument. But then I'm also building the argument off of definitions. Yeah. So I'm I'm being very technical with my mm-hmm. definition of of tongues mm-hmm. and prophecy, based upon for tongues acts too, mm-hmm. and prophecy based upon the the pattern of prophecy in the Old Testament. Right. And then I'm saying. Well, for prophecy based upon the, a closed canon, that can't happen anymore. Mm-hmm. And that what you might call prophecy, I just call impressions. Sure. Yeah. And two, with tongues, I don't know of any continuationist that actually thinks that with the tongues that they're speaking or doing, even if they think it's just a private prayer language, mm. is known foreign languages. Right. And again, I'm saying that tongues serve the purpose of validating that the gospel went to the, the nations and the mm-hmm. Gentiles. Mm-hmm. We know that now. We don't need that as a validator anymore. So yeah. now it's just, a, there's no need for it. Okay. Because it's ne- it was never meant to be uh, a private prayer language. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Those that, are that's solid. The, that's the gist of it. Solid arguments. Okay, let me recap mine. My, my recap is... There's... Recap it in tongues for us. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to do the Macarena. Macarena. So the uh, my, my recap is the there we have timestamps for the end of yep. end of uh, the all all, all of the gifts. gifts. Yep. They'll pass away when the perfect comes. There's four times it says that. Three times Paul says for for Christians to earnestly desire the gifts, especially that they might prophesy, do not despise prophecy, he tells the Thessalonians. Uh, do not forbid speaking in tongues. Nowhere does Paul explicitly say, and these things are going to all taper off once the apostles are gone, you see, you know, right. so like I feel those two things. And then and then I would say also the non the non and non apostles who did signs and wonders are all throughout the New Testament, like the the uh, let me read a list really quick, a quick list, because this is imperative to my okay. to my argument. Others that include the 70 who were commissioned in Luke 10, 9 or 19 through 20, or, um, at least 108 people among the, the 120 that were gathered in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. Stephen, yep. huge signs and wonders. Yep. Philip, Ananias, church members in Antioch, uh, an anonymous converts in Ephesus in Acts 19, 6, women at Caesarea in Acts 21, the unnamed brethren of Galatia, in Galatian, uh, Galatians 3.5, believers in Rome, Rome 12.6, Romans 12.6, uh, believers in Corinth and Christians in Thessalonica. So the the non-apostle, it, the, it, it's, these miraculous gifts are put forth as the normative expression of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit for the Christian church. And, um, you know, no one is denying the apostolic sign, the, the, the apostles laid the foundation for the church once and for all, they also prophesied and did signs and wonders, but I'm saying there's no verse that says since they prophesied and did signs and wonders, that's all that prophes- the prophetic and signs and wonders is for. It's like saying a chef makes sandwiches, therefore only chefs make sandwiches. It's like, no, other people make sandwiches too. 
they just also made sandwiches. <laughs> so anyway, that's a recap. And I feel like I ended on my least strong argument of sandwiches. <laughs> sandwiches. <laughs> sandwiches. So just remember, What about kids? meatball sandwiches? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, we could pick up from there <laughs> some other time. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just, I'll stop there. Otherwise, we'll just keep jabbering. We will. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Preach and Persuade podcast. Uh, tune in to the next one where we continue to fight. No, and uh, where we're going to walk through 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 and put out more of those. Because there are. There are, some f- there are some phrases. There are some things that Paul says that are like, what do you mean by this? Mm-hmm. And, man, you have to deal with it. And depending on how you deal with it, you're going to come out as either a continuationist or a cessationist. Right. So we're going to do that. I think that'll be fun. I think that'll be clarifying, too. And then, you know, we'll have to you know deal with the lord ourselves on what we are going to believe and then you too are going to have to do that who's listening (laughs) but thanks for listening leave a rating on spotify or apple Podcasts. that'd be great uh tune into the next one bye